0: Good morning. Uh, I was uh, out and about this last week. I was headed to to Kroger in Coryville to pick up something. I have no idea what it was, and not ultimately important. But I was, as I was driving, I was listening because I am old to the radio, to the actual radio uh, that has like you know stations and stuff. Um, and as I pulled into the Kroger parking lot, a commercial came on that made me stop and and sit in my car and listen to the entirety of this commercial. Um, again, like radio has commercials. Um, if you're old enough, you know that. Um, and, and I was hyper aware as I was sitting in my car that I was doing a very old person thing, uh, listening to this, the entirety of this commercial. But I was fascinated by this commercial because I knew there was something coming at the end of it. The commercial began, and all the way through the commercial, the, like, the only thing they kept saying is that you could get $750 free in the month of January. Like, they said it again, and they, they said it 12 times in a 10-second spot. Like, it was just, again, and they get 700, just claim your $750, it's absolutely free. We have $750 to give to you. Log on to this website, I'm not gonna give you the website, in order to claim your $750, and I was like, that sounds really good. That sounds like good news to me. I could use, anybody could use an extra 750 bucks? Yeah, I was like, oh, I have to tell me more, please. And, and then they did, right at the end. Right at the end, it was like, log on to this website and fill out all of this stuff and give us your information and then sign up for all these things and then do these things and then we'll give you $750. Ah, oh, that was not as good of a deal as I thought that it was going to be, right? Like, all of a sudden, instead of just giving me $750, I now had to give them information about myself. I had to sign up for a bunch of stuff. I had to participate in a bunch of stuff in order to get this supposedly free thing. And so what appeared to be good news at first ended up not being good news. And I think that that happens to us a lot. Um, there are some things in our world that, that sound like they're good news, they're not. Or that we, we think we know what the good news is and we're wrong about it. Last week we got into the Gospel of Mark chapter 1, where we discovered that Mark is all about the good news. Mark begins his gospel by saying, this is the good news of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. And so Mark, from the very get-go, says, I have good news for you. And he begins his gospel by talking about the good news contained in the person of Jesus. And we talked about that last week. We want to move on into uh, Mark chapter 1 today um, to find out more about the good news as um, uh, three short stories unfold for us in Mark 1, verses 12 through uh, 20, I think, is where we're at. So if you've got a Bible, feel free to open up to Mark chapter 1 uh, or follow along on the, the wall. The verses will be projected there. Um, Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse Uh, 12, and I I should note this as well, that Mark is, if you like action, Mark is a very action-oriented gospel. Um, This passage begins with the word immediately. Uh, Immediately, the Spirit of God does something, and it's going to show up multiple times in our text today. In fact, in Mark chapter 1, the word uh, immediately shows up no less than 12 times. In the first chapter, it shows up 40 times 40 or 41 times throughout the entirety of the book of Mark, which is only 16 chapters long. Mark is always talking about immediate things. Jesus is always immediately doing something. Somebody immediately responds. Immediately something happens. So Mark is a very action oriented, fast paced book. If you enjoy that, uh, Mark is a great gospel to read. And so we jump in. This is um, John the Baptist has come on the scene. He's been baptizing at the Jordan. People from Jerusalem and Judea have come out. They have been baptized hearing John's message, repent um, for the kingdom of heaven is close at hand. Jesus himself comes and he is baptized as well. The heavens are split open. God's spirit is poured out on Jesus. God's voice is poured out on Jesus and Jesus is declared to be God's son. That's where we leave off and immediately something happens. So here's Mark uh, chapter one, verses 12 and following. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now, after John was arrested, scene has changed, we've moved forward in time. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, that's in the northern part of Israel, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. By the way, I love the understatement that the Bible uses all the time, like the obvious things that the Bible just drops in. They were casting their net into the sea. Because they were fishermen. Thank you, Bible. I appreciate that piece of information. Uh, Verse 17, And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little, uh, little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat, mending the nets. Immediately he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Three very short stories um, that really kind of encapsulate the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is how Jesus starts his work in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, This is how Jesus begins to declare the good news in the Gospel of Mark, and I I wish that we had time to explore each one of these stories by themselves because even though they are very brief, they are incredibly complex, and there is more in these stories than we can actually talk about um, this morning. Uh, And by the way, if you want to talk more about these stories, or if you end up having questions about these stories, or just questions about the sermon, or or just like to share in discussion about the Bible, we always meet after service uh, right here in front of the communion table at 1130 for a conversation circle, and our conversations take us all sorts of different places, and you're welcome to come be a part of that if you want to on any Sunday. I want to take a look at these three stories with us today, because each of these stories has a piece of good news about God's kingdom, but it is probably not the good news that we have been told, or perhaps it is not the good news that we have thought that it was. Sometimes I I think that we get something in our heads about the message of God, or something in our heads about the message of Jesus, something in our heads about God's kingdom and what God is up to, and it's, it's not actually what's there in the Bible. And, and that happens for lots of different reasons. We, we grow up in church and we hear different things or, or, or we, you know, we filter uh, the Bible through the lens of culture and our context. And so we, we end up with these ideas in our head that, that um, of what good news is and it may not be that. So let's go through each of these stories one by one and see what the good news actually is. In our first story, Jesus is taken out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. He's actually driven out. It's a very powerful word, driven out into the the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. This is not necessarily a bad thing. It is in the wilderness that Jesus often spends time with the Father. Um, But in the wilderness, we discover that he is tempted by Satan, The other Gospels give us a more full view of what that temptation looks like. We're told that he's out there for 40 days. We're told that he's uh, without food for 40 days while he's out there. And we're told some of the specific temptations that Satan levels at Jesus in the wilderness. Here, all we know is that Jesus is tempted. This happens immediately, by the way, right? That's our word, immediately after what event? His baptism. Jesus is baptized, God's voice calls him his son, God's spirit descends on him, and the immediate next thing that happens is trouble. There is a a version of the good news that floats around, and perhaps you have heard it, and perhaps you have even believed it at some point, that says that the good news of God is that when you give your life to God, things will get easier. There's a version of good news that says that. That, that when you give your life to God, all of a sudden um, everything in your life is going to be blessed, everything in your life is going to start working out, God's going to start answering your prayers, God's going to take care of this and this and this and this and the other thing. And I have never known that to be true in my life. Um, I, I can't speak for every person in the world, uh, but for me, uh, being a Christian has not always meant that life is easy. In fact, for me, being a Christian has sometimes meant that life gets harder, and I think that if we give the Bible an honest reading, we would discover that that is true for most of the Christians in the New Testament, that as they decide to follow Jesus, life becomes somewhat more difficult. They discover trouble in their lives. And I don't know why we would be shocked about this, trouble tends to follow us humans around, right? We're always managing to get ourselves into trouble of some kind or another, or someone else is managing to get us into trouble, or circumstances conspire to get us into trouble, but trouble is a real thing. Jesus tells us in the gospel that in this world you will have trouble. That is a promise of Jesus. That is, in fact, it's not even a promise. It's Jesus just acknowledging the common sense reality around him. Like there is trouble in the world and it will find you. That's the way it goes. The rest of the New Testament authors agree with him. James says that we're supposed to count it all joy whenever we face troubles of many kinds. Paul says that he wants to know Christ, but in order to know Christ, he has to know Christ's suffering. Paul believes that in order to follow Christ, there will be some kind of trouble in his life. And so the good news of the kingdom of God is not that the kingdom spares us from trouble. The good news of the kingdom of God is that God is with us in the midst of our trouble. This is what's in our passage, right? That as he's there in the wilderness with the wild animals being tempted by Satan, he's also being ministered to, right? And the angels waited on him. The presence of God is there with Jesus even in the midst of his trouble times. And I think that that is always true. We see Jesus again and again throughout his life when there are moments of trouble turn to God because he believes that God is present with him in hard times. I believe that about my own life. I believe that that when things are hard, God is present with me. Not because God has made those things hard, but because God has promised that he will never leave me and he will never forsake me. And so whatever that trouble is, whether it was the death of my mother or whether it was um, my brother fighting drug addiction or whether it was um, whatever, whether it was just rough stuff at work, rough stuff at school, um, the loss of, of a, a friendship broken, whatever those hurts were, God was present in the midst of those things. And, and honestly, that to me is better news. A good news that says God's going to take away all of your hurt and then it doesn't happen, that's not good news. That's a lie. But good news that says when you hurt, someone is there with you, that's good news. That's good news. To not have to go through things alone is good news. So that is one piece of the good news of the kingdom of heaven, that when we hurt, when we are in trouble, when we are out in the wilderness, when things are not going according to plan, when things are not going swimmingly, we are not alone. And that is good news for me and for you. Jesus comes back out of the wilderness, and at some point, John is arrested. Again, the other gospels give us a more full story of that. John manages to get himself arrested because he stands up to King Herod and says, you're a doofus who's doing bad things, you need to stop it. And of course, power doesn't like to have that told to them, and so John is arrested, and eventually he's killed um, in prison for daring to speak truth to power. But once that happens, once John is arrested, Mark says that now Jesus begins his ministry, and essentially Jesus picks up where John has left off with one slight change. John says in his ministry, that we ought to repent because the kingdom of God is coming. Jesus, when he picks up John's ministry, he says that the good news is that the kingdom of God is now come near. It's at hand. It's near to us. The time is now, Jesus says. It's not It's not yet to come, it's right now. And and here again, I think we fall into a trap of believing a piece of good news that doesn't actually really exist the way that we think it does. Um, Growing up somehow or another, I grew up in in church, by the way, my dad was a minister. Um, Growing up in church, somehow I got hold of the notion that the good news of the kingdom of God is that when I die, I go to heaven. That is good news as I understood it growing up. That someday, I would get to go to this beautiful, wonderful place to be with God where there's no longer any pain or hurting or, or anything bad. And that someday, I would get to be a part of God's kingdom. I don't know where I got that piece of information from. I'm pretty sure my dad never preached that in a sermon. I know him fairly well, and, and I, I, don't, I can't imagine him saying that. But I don't know if it was a Sunday school teacher. I don't know if it was some you know, cartoon, Jesus cartoon that I saw as a little kid. But somehow or another, I got the idea that the good news was that someday I get to leave here and go be with God. And maybe you have heard that as well. Maybe you have believed that at some point in your life. That someday we get to get out of here and go be with God. But that is not what Jesus says, is it? Jesus says the time is when? Now. And the kingdom of heaven is where? Here. Here. It's very near to us. Jesus does not say the time is coming and someday we will go to this faraway place. He says the time is now and the kingdom is near. Repent, therefore, and believe the good news jesus says that the kingdom is not something that we wait on the kingdom is not a someday kingdom that our relationship with god is not something that is in a holding pattern for after we die jesus says that the good news is that the kingdom of god is now not someday the kingdom of god is now and for me this is extremely good news For Jesus in his day, what does he mean by the kingdom of God has come near? Uh, Jesus uh, cannot mean, I don't think in his context, he cannot mean that, hey, the kingdom of God is near, and that means that you will all be spiritually well, and that's it. I don't think that when Jesus says the kingdom of God is, here, is near, he's talking in some kind of just spiritual sense. That, that doesn't jive with what I know about the culture and the conditions of the, the land in which Jesus lived. The land in which Jesus lived was a land under oppression. It, it was a land where, It was a land where Rome ruled, where the strong abused the weak. It was a land of economic exploitation and oppression it was a land where it was a land where foreign power held sway and it was a land where the people of god were once again denied a full life in the land that god had promised them and so if jesus comes onto the scene and he says the kingdom of god is near he cannot just be telling people it's okay because god is in your heart don't worry about the rest of the world. That is not good news to me. We live in a world that is screwed up, and it does not take a lot of imagination to see that or a lot of effort to realize that. Andrea was just up here a few minutes ago telling us about the reality, the sheer staggering number of people, even in the greater Cincinnati area, who may be victims of, tra- of trafficking. That's a staggering number. To hear that, to see war, to see poverty, to see famine, to see hunger, to see mass incarceration, to see racism played out on a daily basis, on both a local and global stage. If I hear Jesus is here and he's going to make a difference in your soul, but not in the world around you, that is not good news. That's not good news, that's escapism. I have no interest in that kind of a gospel. But if Jesus comes and he says the kingdom of God is near, God's presence is with his people and God is going to empower his people to act in the world, now that's good news. If the kingdom of God is drawn near and that kingdom as promised in the Old Testament and as evidenced in the New Testament is a kingdom of justice, it's a kingdom of healing, it's a kingdom of freedom, it's a kingdom of liberation, it's a kingdom where the the downtrodden are lifted up, it's a kingdom where the marginalized are brought front and center, it's a kingdom where the oppressed and the victimized are given justice. If that kingdom has come near, that is good news. And so the good news of Jesus is that God's kingdom, this kingdom of shalom, of wholeness, This kingdom of the world made right has begun to invade this world. And the kingdoms of this world are fighting back against it. We are constantly in the midst of this struggle, this tension between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world. And the good news is that the kingdom of God is still advancing into this world. And you and I can be part of it, not someday, but today. The time is now, Jesus says. Repent and believe this good news. Repent is is one of those words, if you grew up in church, you heard it a lot, uh, but still may not know what it means. If you didn't grow up in church, you almost never hear this word. Repent is um, uh, this fantastic word that really means something like reorient your life around God. And when Jesus says, God's kingdom is here, so repent, what he's saying is you get to leave behind the systems, the broken and failed systems of this world. You don't have to walk captive to those things. And you get to reorient your life around Jesus. You get to reorient your life around God. You get to reorient your life around being a person of justice, a person of peace, a person of hope, a person of liberation, a person who lifts others up, a person of kindness. Repent, reorient your life, leave behind the kingdoms of this world and come be part of the kingdom of God. That's good news to me that the kingdoms of this world are not the only things that I have. They're not the only things that I get to belong to. In fact, I get to set those aside, and I get to be part of a different kingdom. That's good news to me. It's good news to me that when trouble is here, God is with me. And it's good news to me that in the midst of this dark world, there is another kingdom that I get to be a part of. There's a third story. Jesus goes on, and as he's proclaiming this good news of the kingdom, he wanders along the uh, Sea of Galilee, uh, and there he meets Simon and Andrew, James and John. We know these four people as Jesus' first disciples who go on to become his apostles and uh, go on to lead the church. But here they are fishermen, as many, many people are who live around the Sea of Galilee. That is what you do. Jesus comes to them and he calls out to each set of brothers, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And both sets of brothers absolutely do. There is a version of the good news that floats around that says something like we are recipients of what Jesus has done and that is good and then does not call us to do anything about it. There is a very weak, very watered-down version of the good news that floats around that essentially says you can keep living your life exactly the way that you were, exactly the way that you want to, and still have Jesus. Jesus rejects that good news. Jesus says that isn't good news. When Jesus comes on the scene and comes to Andrew, Simon, James and John, he does not say, hey guys, I'm Jesus, believe in me and then have fun fishing. Instead, he says, come follow me. There is a kingdom that you get to participate in. And so the good news is not that that we are passive recipients of, of what God is doing, but the good news is that we are active participants in what God is doing. We get to join into the work of God, and that's amazing to me because let's face it, um, I know myself, and more often than not, I am a colossal screw-up. I can list very easily my weaknesses and have a lot of trouble coming up with my strengths. I've been around me long enough to know what those weaknesses are. And yet, God still invites me to come along on His journey to help Him do His work. Not because God is super impressed with me, but because God loves me enough to give me purpose and to invite me into participation with Jesus in sharing the good news of His kingdom. And so He says to Andrew, Simon, James, and John, Come along with me. I have purpose. For you. You get to participate in kingdom building. It's very interesting, um, this, this call, come with me, I'll make you fishers of men. People have wondered what that means for a long time, and, and many, many people, and especially in the Western kind of American church, have kind of concluded that this means that, that we get to help save souls. But again, I don't think that that's what Jesus is driving at. I'm not sure that Jesus is just out to win people's souls for God. Because if that's all it is, there's no change of life, and Jesus appears to be about changing people's lives. When Jesus says, come follow me and I'll help you fish for people, he seems to be alluding to a scripture in the Old Testament, in Jeremiah 16, 16 and following, where God says through the prophet Jeremiah that, um, that he is about to send out fishermen, and after them hunters will go fish for and hunt for the wicked in order that they might be taken out of the land. Uh, This information was uh, relatively new to me. I would not made that connection before. I'm thankful to Sarah Bowman for sharing um, the work of a pastor in Indianapolis, Matt Tebbe, with me um, to kind of turn me on to this idea. And that when Jesus invites his disciples to come follow him, it's not just about sharing good news that saves somebody's soul, although that is good in and of itself, but there is an additional component of that, that part of our fishing for men is helping people to understand where they have missed the mark of God's kingdom and declaring that the injustice is injustice. That oppression is oppression. That these things are intolerable to God and a change of life must be made. Part of fishing for men is saying we can't live the same way anymore. There's a new kingdom in town and we have to live up to its standards. Three very short stories Three truths about the good news, that when we are in trouble, God is near. That God's kingdom is not far away, but it is near to us, and we get to be a part of it now. And that we do not passively receive God's kingdom, but become active participants in it. I believe that these three things are good news in Jesus' day. I believe that these three things are good news in our day. And I believe that these three things are good news for these two reasons. First, it means that we have purpose. It means that we have purpose. Jesus says that there is a a kingdom here and you get to participate in it. You get to come along with God and you get to help make a difference in the world. You get to fight against the kingdoms and the principalities and the powers of darkness in this world. You get to help change people's lives. You get to help bring people to the kingdom and help them reorient their lives around Jesus. We have purpose. I believe that this is good news because it also means that we have presence. That we have the presence of God with us and that we get to be his presence in the world making God real to our neighbors, to our friends, to our co-workers, to our classmates. There is good news about the kingdom of God. It's good news that I need. It's good news that we need. I believe it's good news that the world needs. And this good news will help bring us into participation with Christ, giving us purpose and giving us his presence. We come to the table each and every week in order to be reminded of our purpose and of God's presence. The table is a reminder to us again and again and again in the elements of bread and juice that God is present with his people. It's a reminder to us again and again and again that we have a purpose and that purpose is to declare the person and work of Jesus Christ who was crucified, dead, and raised to life. And so uh, we want to continue into worship by coming to the table, uh, reminding and being reminded uh, that we have God's presence with us and that we have purpose and that is good news. And not only do we have good news, but we get to be good news in our world as well. So um, as we do every week, uh, we will uh, pause and confess um, before we come to the table and then come and take the elements back to your seats. and when we have all been served um, from the table, uh, we'll take those together. If you are uh, willing uh, to join me in a moment of confession, um, acknowledging that we still need this good news and that we still need to learn to live into it in a more full way, If you're willing to do that, would you join me, please, in standing, uh, whether in body or in spirit, and share together in this confession as we do each week.